section thirty two of the three commanders this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the three commanders by william henry giles kingston chapter twenty three those lords of the admiralty are the most horribly cruel tyrannical hard-hearted said i ever heard of why could they not have appointed another officer who is not just married there are numbers of single men who would have been delighted to take command of the dragon and to think of their sending you my dear dear jack all the way out to the pacific for i don't know how many years among coral reefs and cannibals and all sorts of fearful dangers and mrs jack rogers put her handkerchief to her eyes and sobbed as if her heart would break her husband who held an official-looking letter which he had just read in his hand looked as he felt much distressed but at the same time it never occurred to him that he could possibly refuse the appointment to the fine new screw steamer which had just been offered him although her destination was the pacific and she might be kept out there three or four years it was the first trial of his married life a very great one and he had had no other as yet to break him in he in vain tried to comfort his young wife it was very very hard to them both and indeed it was very difficult to discover any sort of comfort and the more he said the more poor julia wept could you not say that under your circumstances you would rather be appointed to the coast-guard she exclaimed at length then you might stay at home and i should not be separated from you in the unnatural way the admiralty propose it would be equivalent to desiring to be shelved and i aspire to become a post-captain and to get my flag some day answered jack our case is not worse than that of many others some friends of mine have been sent off to sea a few days only after they have been married it was a shame then and they had no business to go answered julia indignantly i wonder how those horrid lords themselves would like being separated from their wives unless as is possible they are incapable of feeling the slightest love for them i assure you my dear julia that though in the aggregate they are somewhat inconsiderate of the feelings of naval officers they are individually as amiable gentlemen and affectionate husbands as any other men said jack my friend tom summers one of the most lucky dogs in the service who was a post-captain at five-and-twenty tells a capital story on the subject he is i must confess impudence personified he was one day at the admiralty complaining to one of the lords much in the way that you are now doing of their want of consideration for the feelings of junior officers the lord heard him out and then asked him to come and dine with him which tom condescended to do and a very good dinner with a number of excellent wines he enjoyed his host produced one bottle after the other of different descriptions and of the choicest and you like my wines he asked excellent all of them sir answered tom i shouldn't mind dining with you once a week while i remain on shore very well answered the lord but as i am leaving home and cannot have the pleasure of seeing you i'll send you a bottle and you shall tell me how you like it the next day tom received a bottle tied significantly round with red tape 
for his host was somewhat of a wag on tasting it tom poured out a glass and drank it off but the instant afterwards he regretted his precipitancy for he declared that he had never tasted anything so execrable just then his friend looked in upon him well summers how did you like my wine he asked i can't say that i ever wished to take another drop of it answered tom well i sent you exactly the wines you tasted at my house answered his visitor you however drank them separately i mixed them together and you complain of the result now if you take each of us lords by ourselves you will find us as well disposed and amiable as most other men but when we act together we put aside all the gentle feelings of our nature and form the stern unrelenting body you and others find us i believe juliet tom gave a very exact description of the admiralty and however much some of the lords might be disposed to befriend me individually i should ruin myself in the service were i to plead that i have just married a wife and would rather not go to sea then there is no chance of your getting some other appointment asked julia in a faltering tone not the slightest i am afraid answered jack however we must make the best of a bad case some weeks may pass before the ship is ready for sea and perhaps before that time you will have got tired of me julia gave a melancholy smile as she looked up in her husband's face i am jealous of lucy she said after some time i suppose the admiralty will not also be appointing commander adair to a ship i am not so certain of that said jack i know that they talk of sending out several to put a stop to the kidnapping system which as of late prevailed in the pacific as also to keep some of the black and brown island chiefs in order and they may fix on adair as likely as on any one else poor lucy said julia i am sure that i don't really wish her to share my fate this conversation took place at colonel giffords where jack and his bride were staying the very next day he got a letter from adair who with lucy was at south sea saying that he had been appointed to the eolus to proceed forthwith to the pacific station lucy behaves capitally like a sailor's wife and says she knows i ought to go though it is a cruel affair to us both however jack i know that you will compassionate us and that your wife will do her best to comfort her when i am away i tell her that i have hopes of coming back in a couple of years as i will try at the end of that time to get superseded which with the help of the admiral i hope i may succeed in doing poor lucy said julia we must support each other but when we married i little thought such would be our fate jack of course took his wife down to south sea as fortunately for him the dragon was fitting out at portsmouth as was also the eolus the young ladies having got over their first sensations of grief when they met wisely determined to make the most of their husbands during the time they remained with them the eolus was almost ready for sea and sailed about a fortnight after adair had commissioned her curiously enough desmond had been previously appointed to her so he once more accompanied his uncle the dragon was not ready till the week afterwards jack was glad to get joss green as master with mr mildmay as his first lieutenant his brother tom who had been taking a spell on shore was appointed to her and just before she sailed archie gordon joined her dick needham though eligible for a much higher rate had joined as gunner with mr large who had been with jack in the gauntlet as boatswain when it was known that jack was to command the dragon several old shipmates volunteered jerry bird and tim nolan among them tom was much pleased to have his old messmate billy blue blazes dicky duff had joined the eolus 
altogether jack was well satisfied with his officers and ship's company we cannot venture to describe the parting as it might be too touching to the feelings of our fair readers lucy having had to undergo the same ordeal just before was able to console her sister-in-law jack's manly heart felt very full but he tore himself away and hastening on board ordered the ship which was at spithead to be got under way round went the men at the capstan the merry pipe sounding and under all sail the dragon stood down channel she was directed not to use her coal except in case of necessity having touched at madeira where she took in a cask of wine for the admiral and oranges enough to keep scurvy at bay for many a month and having sighted the cape de verdes in the distance she stood across to rio that city had improved greatly since jack was last there the enlightened emperor being the advocate of liberal institutions which have done much to advance the social as well as the material interests of the inhabitants malmet who still notwithstanding he was first lieutenant indulged his poetical fancies wrote a sonnet on the benign rule of the emperor which unfortunately having been blown overboard cannot be given touching at the falkland islands for a supply of fresh beef and vegetables the dragon steered for the straits of magellan which jack had determined to run through she called off sandy point near the eastern entrance of the straits where the chilean government had formed a settlement for the purpose of working a coal-mine some copper-coloured natives with broad faces and high cheekbones and dressed in guanaco robes and skin boots came off to the ship principally to obtain some liquor though they brought some ostrich fox and guanaco skins to exchange for guns and gunpowder or spirits the passage of the straits being broad and well known the ship steamed rapidly on till she reached cape pillar at the western end beyond which the pacific ocean burst on their view instead however of entering it she steered north into smith's channel the southern end of a passage which runs due north between the mainland and a chain of islands two hundred miles in length nothing could be grander than the scenery which those on board the dragon beheld as the ship threaded her way through this intricate channel with the islands on the left hand and lofty snow-capped mountains towering up on the right as she proceeded northward their bases appeared covered with trees reaching almost to the water's edge deep bays and gulfs running up far inland indeed the whole scenery was grand and beautiful it required careful steering and a bright lookout ahead to avoid running on shore a hot tide being frequently met with which might quickly have whirled the ship round on the rocks at length a heavy gale blowing outside in order to avoid it she ran through a narrow passage and entered a small harbour known as connor cove the mountains thickly covered with trees for some distance up rose around the harbour their snowy summits towering to the sky the scene was grand and sombre a few seabirds only appearing who with their loud wild shrieks increased its melancholy character though several of the officers landed they could make no progress through the dense forest the whole ground being one mass of rotten timber amid which grew ferns and moss of various descriptions here though the gale raged overhead she lay as securely as in a dock moored by the stern with a hawser to a large tree on shore the gale having ceased steam was again got up and about forty miles on she entered the open sea and passed several chilean towns the most northern being lota and coronal at both of which places extensive coal-mining operations were carried on 
at the latter the dragon took in a fresh supply of coal which would carry her if properly husbanded across the pacific steaming north which he entered the bay of valparaiso which tom as he looked at the barren red and bare hills surrounding it with scarce a bush except the cactus to be seen pronounced a very odd sort of paradise the town stands partly on the shores of the bay and chiefly on a number of hills separated by valleys with the mighty cordilleras rising beyond giving the scenery in spite of the barren aspect of the foreground a grand and picturesque character the bay was full of vessels showing that a considerable amount of trade is carried on in the place jack and his officers received numerous invitations both from the english merchants and the native residents of rank a ball being given by them in honour of the dragon's officers at which tom lost his heart as did several of his companions theirs what you don't mean to say you have forgotten the fair feodorovna said archie as tom was expatiating on the beauty of the black-eyed damsel who had attracted his admiration well as you know she is in another hemisphere and as i never expect to see her again and she has probably forgotten me i don't think i ought to wear the willow for her any longer said tom and dona seraphina is you'll allow very beautiful granted answered archie but as the ship sails to-morrow and dona seraphina will probably forget you in the course of a day or two even if she happens to distinguish you from the rest of us you'll not i hope break your heart about her not if we happen to touch at another port soon and a ball is given to us there said tom with a demure look provided i have the luck to meet a partner with attractions equal to dona seraphina's you're all right my lad said archie clapping him on the back and mr Malmay won't have to write your epitaph hick yucket tom rogers who died of a broken heart etc etc about three weeks after this the dragon entered the bay of Kalau, passing around the barren island of san lorenzo long the burying-place of protestants who were denied sepulture on the mainland at the farther end of the plain between the lofty cordilleras and the shore could be seen the spires and fanes of pizarro city of a thousand towers and a hundred gates while on the island were basking numbers of drowsy seals and sea lions with sleek skins and shaggy manes the ship came to an anchor about a mile from the mole outside the merchant vessels jack had been looking out for the eolus and was somewhat disappointed at not hearing of her at any of the ports at which he had touched as they had been ordered to cruise in company he determined to wait here for her this gave an opportunity to several of the officers to visit lima those who went there pronounced the city a very fine one and declared that it was more worthy to be called the vale of paradise than the chilean town to the southward the ship had been there some days when some time after sunset a schooner was observed gliding into the harbour she came to an anchor among several other vessels which concealed her from sight jack who had been on deck enjoying the cool air of the evening was about to turn in when the sentry hailed a small boat which was seen approaching an english voice answered and asked leave to come on board it was granted and a middle-aged seafaring man stepped up the side who are you and what do you want my man asked jack please you sir i'm an englishman my name is ralph hake of plymouth and i belonged till half an hour ago to a peruvian schooner the saltador which now lies inside of us but i've taken french leave of her and don't want to go back answered the man a very clear statement of yours but what brought you on board this ship asked jack because i had nowhere else to go to sir and that's why i'd like to enter with you sir i'm sick of the craft i was serving aboard and of the work she was carrying on answered the man what was that asked jack 
just kidnapping poor natives in the different islands away to the westward whenever she could get hold of them and bringing them here as slaves to labor in the mines or at any other task their masters may think fit to put them to answered hake you see sir i was left on shore sick from a whaler which as she never came back for me was i suppose lost and as i was starving not knowing how this craft was to be employed i shipped on board her being promised high wages and thinking i should like the trip but when i came to see the sort of work she was carrying on i made up my mind to leave her on the first opportunity though i never found that till to-night when getting hold of the dinghy which was alongside i slipped my bag into her and pulled away before any one found me out i can tell you sir i never saw more cruel work than that craft carried on when the skipper could he entice the natives on board and clapped them under hatches sometimes he pretended to trade with them and got them below under the pretense of looking at his goods at others he asked them into the cabin to have a bit of something to eat and making them drunk slipped their hands into handcuffs before they knew what was happening at some places where this did not answer he sent the boat's crews armed on shore and seized as many as he could fall in with and not unfrequently took the people out of fishing canoes which he sent to the bottom i have known him run down three or four canoes one after the other to get hold of some of the people in them not minding what became of the rest in one place the people must have been christians for when we went on shore we found a number of them in a large chapel and a brown man preaching to them we got hold of nearly a score and when their friends attempted to rescue them we shot or cut down all who interfered and carried away a dozen or more when we got them on board instead of complaining they sat together and sang psalms and one of them who i found knew a little english talked to me and told me that two of their number were elders of their church and that he and all the rest were christians when i told the skipper he only laughed and said that they were only protestants and that when they got on shore the priests would make them into real christians the native when i told him this sighed and said he hoped he and his friends would remain faithful on another occasion we enticed a whole fleet of canoes some distance off the shore when they taking the alarm were pulling back he fired among them and when they took fright and were paddling away we sunk the whole of them giving some the stem throwing shot into others and firing at the rest we picked up as many people as we could but not a few were drowned and the remainder managed to swim on shore at last with a full cargo though some died on board we came in here i found that this was not the first trip on this business the schooner had made and that half a dozen more craft were employed in the same way so that many hundreds of the poor natives must have been carried off from their homes to die up among the snowy mountains of cold starvation and hard work or else of broken hearts this is important information my man you should at once have informed the consul who might have taken steps to get the natives liberated observed jack if i had gone on shore sir i should have had a sharp knife stuck under my ribs before i was many hours older answered hake by that time and long before the consul could have interfered the whole cargo would have been miles away up the country even now there is not one left in the schooner jack reflected on what the man had told him and believing the account gave him leave to remain on board during the night resolving to look into the matter the next morning a hand was sent to secure his punt but it was found that when he stepped out of her he had given her a shove and sent her drifting away and she was nowhere to be seen the next morning jack went on shore to communicate with the acting consul who acknowledged that he had had information on the subject but though aware that several vessels had been fitted out for the purpose mentioned he had been unable to take any steps for putting a stop to their proceedings then i must see what we can do exclaimed jack indignantly if we can find out from what islands 
people have been taken and the inhabitants ask for our protection we shall have the right to afford them all the assistance in our power you may be very certain should you seize any vessels engaged in carrying off the natives no one will interfere for their government even should they be aware of their proceedings will not dare to acknowledge that they are so or protect them and i am very sure that the french will be ready to assist in capturing the villains who may have ventured to visit any of the islands under their rule observed the consul then i will go to tahiti and ascertain what the french government knows about the matter said jack possibly on my way i may fall in with some of the kidnappers and it will be a satisfaction to release the slaves they may have taken and to put a stop to their proceedings that evening the ship sailed for the westward a lookout was kept for any craft which might answer to hake's description of the vessels engaged in the traffic the dragon had been nearly three weeks at sea when a vessel was seen ahead steering to the eastward as she drew nearer she was seen to be a brigantine and hake declared that she was one of the vessels sent out to collect natives hopes were entertained that she might have some on board and that they should have the pleasure of releasing them and taking them back to their homes if such could be found as the dragon drew nearer jack made a signal for the stranger to heave to and as she did not appear to understand it he fired a shot across her bows which had the desired effect a boat was lowered and joss green with tom and archie was sent to examine her and should natives be found to bring her close up to the ship so that they might be transferred on board joss and his companions pulled away in high glee fully hoping that they should have the satisfaction of liberating some of their fellow-creatures it is too bad observed green that we should be spending our energies on the west and east coasts of africa and all the time that these degenerate descendants of spaniards out here in the pacific should be endeavouring to drag our fellow-creatures into a far worse slavery than the africans have to endure these poor islanders accustomed to the perfect freedom of the breezes of the ocean must perish miserably in the course of a few months if compelled to work in the mines or even in the fields on the mainland i think we should be right to hang up their captors at their own yard-arms and send their vessels to the bottom cried tom indignantly archie though he doubted the legality of the proceeding perfectly agreed with tom that it would be a just punishment for the kidnappers six ruffianly-looking fellows one of whom appeared to be the master most of them having their heads or arms bandaged up as if they had been wounded received them on deck the master pointed to the peruvian flag and inquired why he was stopped on his voyage i'll tell you when we've examined your craft answered green you'd better not go into the forecastle where we have five of our men suffering from the smallpox said the skipper and how many have you in the hold asked green who knew spanish sufficiently to carry on a conversation we have no one there but you had better not go into it for some have died there of smallpox and you may carry the disease on board your own ship answered the skipper we will run the risk said green take off the hatches and i'll go below as no one seemed inclined to obey him he ordered his own men to lift off the hatches he and tom with two of the men went below while archie with the rest remained on deck keeping an eye upon the peruvian crew who as tim nolan observed looked as if they were after mischief the hold was empty but it was evidently fitted for passengers or rather for slaves what are all those dark marks asked tom blood-stains answered green examining them and see here are bullets sticking in the deck and timbers the wood has been splintered in all directions depend on it there has been some desperate work going on i believe that the account of the smallpox was false was merely given to try and prevent us from examining the craft you found no one as i told you said the skipper when green returned on deck no but we have found enough to convince us that you have murdered the unhappy wretches you induced to come on board 
answered green you should rather say our passengers treacherously rose on us and we had to fight in self-defence said the skipper forgetting what he had said about the smallpox and your men forward are suffering from the wounds they received said green such is the case but i was ashamed to acknowledge how nearly we were defeated by the savages said the master with the greatest coolness green accordingly went forward and found five men in their bunks all badly wounded to being nearly at the last gasp i will bring the surgeon to dress their hurts said green though if what i suspect is the case you all deserve to be sent to the bottom and depend on it we shall endeavour to get at the truth of the story and you will hear more of the matter by and by the master shrugged his shoulders and green not thinking it prudent to leave any one on board with such villains returned with the midshipman to the ship to make his report jack was doubting how to proceed with the brigantine when her sails were let fall and the breeze freshening she stood away to windward as the dragon had not even her fires lighted there was but little chance of catching her and jack did not think it worth while to go in chase as he felt pretty sure that she would not continue her kidnapping cruise the next day the lookout announced that he saw a fleet of vessels ahead a grove of palm trees rather observed green laughing as the ship rose and fell in the swell the trees alternately disappeared and came into sight and on getting nearer a coral island hove in view it consisted of a ring a quarter of a mile or so in width with a lagoon in the centre first was seen a line of surf then a white sandy beach and beyond a belt of green ground sparsely sprinkled with coconut and pandanus trees and here and there with a few bushes of low growth the ship stood along the shore at a respectful distance a lookout being kept for inhabitants as jack thought it possible that if any of the people had escaped from the brigantine they might have managed to effect a landing the natives of these islands being generally first-rate swimmers no one however was seen and he feared that the whole of the kidnapped people must have perished as he was unwilling to lose time by heaving to to effect a landing he stood on towards tahiti all hands were somewhat disappointed with the appearance of that island when they first came in sight of it jagged peaks and rugged mountains being alone visible for the shady groves and waterfalls the verdant meadows and fields were not to be seen till the ship got close to the entrance of the harbour before them appeared a line of breakers dashing in snow-white foam on the encircling reef of coral with a lagoon of calm blue water within out of which rose the shore covered with the richest tropical vegetation numberless vines and creeping plants making their way up the hillsides amid which sparkling cascades came falling down from the rugged mountains above well after all tahiti does present a highly picturesque and beautiful landscape exclaimed Maumet, taking out his notebook and i hope that we shall find the inhabitants living in that arcadian simplicity appropriate to so lovely a region alas they found but little arcadian simplicity when they reached the shore guns frowned from the surrounding heights down on the harbour the french flag flew from the battlements of the forts french soldiers were everywhere seen it was soon evident that the once free tahitians were a conquered race jack lost no time in communicating with the french governor who had already heard that many of the natives of the outlying islands under french protection had been carried off he had already sent out two men of war to try and catch the kidnappers and he expressed his wish heartily to cooperate with the english in putting a stop to so abominable a system jack being satisfied that the french would attend to that part of the pacific determined to proceed to the westward where the appearance of an english man-of-war might effect some good the fires were lighted and preparations were being made for weighing when a column of smoke was seen in the distance announcing the approach of a steamer 
a french officer on board said that she must be direct from europe as none of their own cruisers were expected jack hoping to obtain some news accordingly awaited for her arrival as she approached she made the number of the eolus soon coming to an anchor visits were exchanged between the two ship's companies adair told jack that he had arrived at Callao the day after the dragon had left and that as soon as he could obtain fresh provisions and water he had again sailed in search of him the eolus had come round by the cape and had not entered the pacific till three weeks after the dragon jack agreed to wait till the eolus could take in provisions and water the feeling with which the unjustifiable capture of tahiti by the french had been regarded by the english had by this time subsided and the officers of the two ships having been treated with all the civility the french were able to show they left the harbour with some regret as they were not likely to meet with any place so advanced in civilization before they reached sydney a voyage across the pacific sounds very romantic but there are often long distances to be traversed when no land is in sight and there is nothing to break the monotony of the voyage the midshipmen of the two ships voted it very dull and began to believe that they should meet with none of the wonderful adventures which they had anticipated mr Mildmay confessed that he had been dreadfully disappointed he had expected everywhere to see bevies of graceful nymphs dressed in gossamer robes their glossy hair decked with wreaths of bright flowers and their necks and arms adorned with coral and precious stones instead of which he declared that he had seen only a set of dowdy women with brown skins and without a particle of beauty to boast of one thing however can be said of the inhabitants of these islands observed jack whereas a few years ago they were in heathen darkness now thanks to the exertions of the missionaries heathenism has disappeared from all the islands to the southward and if the people are not perfect christians they are at all events as much so as the great mass of people in christendom jack was right indeed they found missionaries established at all the principal islands at which they touched with large chapels well-built schoolhouses and neat villages the inhabitants being universally able to read and write and many of them being well informed on various important subjects after touching at several islands to the south and west of tahiti where not a single heathen remains the ship steered for a harbour in one of the islands of the samoan group it was here that a boat's crew of the french navigator la perouse were massacred as they approached the islands no sign of a harbour could be perceived lofty cliffs towering up before them to the sky without apparently a break still the dragon stood on followed by the eolus two rocks appearing one called the tower rock and another on the opposite side the devil's point so well defined that jack had no fears of mistaking the entrance the sails were furled and the steam got up at length the ships entered a passage between the cliffs about a third of a mile in width till they reached a basin completely surrounded by lofty precipices from eight hundred to one thousand feet in height the lower portion of the rocks was bare but their summits were clothed with the most luxuriant vegetation magnificent tree ferns and coconut trees growing high up in situations on which they are seldom seen in other latitudes no sooner had the ships dropped their anchors than they were surrounded by canoes full of natives who though they appeared to be merry fellows were remarkably well behaved all of them being also decently clothed several chiefs and others came on board some of whom spoke english and from them it was ascertained that the whole of the people were christians having long been under missionary influence one of jack's chief objects in entering the harbour was to ascertain whether any of the natives had been carried off a strange vessel had appeared off the coast and had attempted to entrap some lads fishing in a canoe but they had been too wary to be so caught and when a boat put off in chase of their canoe they had 
made their way to the shore though only just in time to escape capture jack issued a notice which he desired might be sent among all the islands of the group warning the people against the various devices practised by the kidnappers after a short time the two ships again put to sea End of section thirty two